On this episode of Writing Tandem, I never learned how to communicate with myself. I didn't learn how to hear myself clearly, and I didn't learn how to talk to myself effectively. So now I help people, and really why why I said I was an organizer is because I help people just organize. Not all of my clients come to me with like chaos in their minds, but it, it feels like that for a lot of people. I help them organize their overwhelm, organize their thoughts, and start bringing awareness to just the things that we didn't get educated in. Hi there. This is your host, Vivian, and you're listening to Writing Tandem, a podcast that is all things business, entrepreneurship, and the secrets to operating a successful business while still having a life you love. Whether you're a business owner on the verge of taking that side hustle to the next level or just curious about the world of entrepreneurship, join me as I go behind the scenes of my own business and the businesses of others, unpacking some of the most valuable lessons you can apply today. Let's dive in. Hello, friends. Welcome back to Writing Tandem. I'm your host, Vivian Kavam, and I have a really fabulous guest with me today to introduce. And I'm excited about introducing you to her because I don't know her particularly well either. So I'm also getting to have just a fun kind of chat date here as well. And we're going to be talking all about confident decision making. And this is such a great topic, whether you are a business owner or if you're thinking about becoming a business owner, or even if you're not and you're just here because you're curious about this world, there are so many things to talk about when it comes to decision making. And I don't know about you, but I have definitely found myself stuck in some decisions, some very big life altering decisions, as well as just what to order off the menu last night at a new Thai restaurant. And I love Thai, so it was a really hard decision to make. But there can be overwhelm with decision making and other people can feel super confident, but then wonder if they made the right decision later. So I'm looking forward to hearing more from Kirsten Parker, who is a master at making decisions. And just to tell you a little bit about her, and then we're going to jump in here. Kirsten runs the Decision Masters program. So she'll talk more about that because I think this is going to be an awesome resource for so many of us. And um, that's a coaching membership for smarty pants, high achievers who want to stop overthinking and make confident decisions with ease and efficiency. And who doesn't want that? Because it sounds delightful. She is also the host of her own podcast. And so I'd love for you to check that out. I've listened to it. It's a great, delightful podcast called Decision Masters. So be sure to check that out. We'll have links, of course, in the show notes for everyone. So welcome. I'm so glad that you're here and we're finally doing this. Yay. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited for that, for our exploratory chat, as you said. I know. Yes. It's fun because so many of my amazing friends, mentors, coaches, people that I can just call on, I have met online. I Well, side note, I actually met my husband online as well. So I have a pretty good track record. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. These online encounters, but we met, I think, through uh, we were both mutually in the same like Facebook group, and you were starting or get it. You were launching a podcast. I was talking about it. We got chatting. So I'm curious how yeah. how are things going with your podcast, with the Decision Masters podcast? It's a fun adventure. I think that's first of all, you're really good at the online relationships. I'm no, I am not surprised at all that you met your husband through there because I think some people just make it easier to stay connected. I know that a lot of what I work with people on is like judgment about how they're not in touch enough with their friends or they're not good enough at relationships, quote unquote. And so I just want to acknowledge it's, it seems like a little superpower of yours. That oh, thank you. I've never thought about that. 
it meant you made it really easy to just like get to know each other and become online friends and then like become stay in touch and yeah. So, you know, one of the things I think about that is there's so many great people who send and you do a great job of this. You send like emails out, you send your weekly emails. And I think a big piece of that is respond to the emails that delight you. Like I get yeah. some, I'm like, oh, I just felt a great connection. And I used to just be like, oh, that was great. Like what a great email from, you know, from Kirsten. And then I would just delete it or archive it or whatever. And now I'm like, well, hold up. If I was in real life, what would I do? I'd be like, hey, that was a really great conversation. Thanks. So I've been like hitting reply more. Yeah. Maybe that's a piece of it. I don't know. It's a huge piece of it, I think. And it's like I'm used to – I'm a studier. Mm -hmm. I'm like a student by nature. So I will go through periods in my life where I subscribe to like everyone's newsletters (laughs) because I want to hear what everyone has to say. But I think that – we're so fortunate to be small business owners and those are like, those are your people. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, I'm a people person. I used to, I spent over 10 years working in theater and I, and I know that so many people you, who you help and are listening to you started somewhere different than being a small business owner. So it can be really easy. I think for people like us to fall into like these solopreneur cave situations where we are like living on an island yeah yeah and we don't have a team to work with and commiserate with and celebrate with and it's been really fun for me to lean into these personal relationships that you can create literally out of thin air like we did and we are because some of these people I subscribe to their newsletters and they're full of wisdom and they have great offers and things but they're they've got a million people on their email list. Yes. You can't just respond and be like, hey, you know, <laughs> so-and-so, this was this, I really like this email. This this spoke to me. You know, they're not gonna write back. But people like us with who are like has le- legitimately small businesses, those are prime for quality connection. And I'm like been hungry for that in the last like six months. So I think that's when we got that's when we got together. It is. It's been great. I agree. And, you know, some of the one of the things that really lights me up, which I think a lot about more in the past year and a half is like, okay, what lights me up when Mm -hmm. somebody does respond back to one of those emails or to a post or and they put it in like a private message or something. I'm like, oh, my gosh, like a real connection, which is the whole reason we do the things we do. Right. Is to have those real connections. So. If you're listening and you've ever thought about hitting reply on one of those emails to back to one of those people, yes. do it because <laughs> it's a really it. magical moment. Yeah. Yeah. And that's like to answer your original question, that's really why I started my podcast when we were when we were first talking, I think summer last year. I kept, I was planning on starting it much later, but I was like, you know what? I want to start making the stuff I have to say more accessible for more people and really like plant the seeds for some dialogues that I'm not, you know, at the, at the time of this recording, I don't have an audience of like millions of people. Mm -hmm. So I have the luxury of being able to talk to people somewhat directly through my podcast and people and, you know, will let me know, oh, this resonated or this is like somebody at, at a workshop I ran this morning was talking about one of my recent episodes about the romanticized alternate universe lie. And she was like, my husband and I just call out Raul when this this habit happens. And it's one of the most helpful things I've ever heard. And I was like, 
yes, like this is, it makes, it's just so nice because I don't know about you, but my brain is like, this is what's not perfect. And this is what I'm not doing well enough. And I'm not keeping up on this. And I, Mm. all of these things could be better, but it's so important to like bring myself back to what's the point. And the point is to like have more conversations and more connections with human people. So in that respect, it's working brilliantly. I love that. <laughs> and it's imperfect and it's okay. <laughs> yes. There's so much of that of just um and I'm curious about that imperfection piece and how that's gonna play in today's <laughs> into today's um conversation. Yeah. Because I know sometimes when I'm thinking about making a decision like starting a podcast, I go yeah. Ooh, I don't know if I have it all together. And that's a conversation you and I had through messengers and I think we had like a Zoom call or something like that. And the little back and forth is like, when is it ready? You know, am, am I ready? And do I have this together? And I'm like, what about the cover artwork? And what about what we're going to call it? And, you know, to some degree, you just decide to do it. But it did take a little bit to make that decision. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I think as long as you feel in charge of the pace and of the standards, then you're golden. You can take four months and love that you take four months to get ready, quote unquote, for something. But if you don't feel in charge of it, that's like usually the biggest indicator of, oh, my habits and biases and conditioning are deciding for me when I will or will not be ready. And that's what I work with people a lot on. And that's what I've had to like do for myself a lot is just bring awareness to, oh, I don't even know what ready means. I'm just assuming I'm not ready all the time. So let's define ready and let's start there. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about what is it, what is it from your words that you do for people? What are you, what are you doing through your coaching? What are you helping people solve or define? Great question. I help people hear themselves more clearly so that they can understand themselves Mm -hmm. in an authentic, non-judgmental, self-compassionate, self-trusting way and make more decisions they love. Were you like, did you come out of the womb like as a great decision maker? Yeah. How you ended up this way. Totally. (laughs) Obviously. Is that weird? (laughs) No. (laughs) No, it was my biggest pain point. And I've, you know, I had a whole career before I was a coach. I worked in theater, as I said. I think I said. Um, And tell me more about that. Yeah, I was a theater stage. I'm literally like, okay, so you went from theater to coaching people and decision making. Like, we definitely need to hear the story. Yes. Well, I'm an organizer. Really, that's – I think we were talking about this before we hit record because I just moved. And I am an organizer. Like that is my – that is – if if your spirit animal could be an organizer, that would be my spirit animal. So um, the job that I did basically from, I don't know, sophomore year of college until I was in my early 30s was theatrical stage management stage management for live theater productions. And I got my master's from Yale in it. I did it, you know, in New York. Um, I New York and I did not get along, but I like that Uh-oh. city better than San Francisco. So I'm from LA. I had to just come back to LA. I'm an, I'm an, I'm an LA girl. Um, but the stage manager of theater is like, is the organizer. We organize 
things. We organize props. Uh Um, We organize scene changes and we organize schedules. And we also organize like personalities and conflict and uh, long-term calendars and problems, problem solving all day long. And I was very, very functional in that setting in my life. But in my personal, non-professional life, I was constantly overthinking constantly mistrusting my decisions, just assuming I didn't know enough and wasn't doing the right thing. I was probably behind. I should be farther along. I should have more figured out. I was Mm. always anxious that I was missing out on some other path I was supposed to be on or I was going to miss it out, miss out on it. So I needed to like, I was just, I was like lived with my shoulders up, I feel like for like 15 years. So that's a great way to say it. I like that picture of (laughs) How it feels in your body, just like when you're anxious and you're unsure. I can totally relate. In fact, I've had some things go so far with anxiety and decision making, and just going through a lot of turmoil and having to make some big decisions. In those cases, where my body actually did it, the doctors ended up calling it basically it was clenching. They thought wow. I had rheumatoid arthritis, and then it passed within about twelve days. I couldn't move. Like I was looking down at my legs saying, okay, like move, like take a step. And my whole body just clenched up essentially. And it was around my joints and my nerves. And it was a really scary time, but it makes me think of how our bodies respond to, I don't know what to do, or I'm going to make the wrong decision. Or the big one I think is, what if I decide and then I regret it later? Yeah. So I just, yeah, I can totally relate to that. I like that word picture of shoulders up to your ears, right? Yeah. It's, so and I think, that? well, uh, I got coaching. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, it changed my life enough that it, I ended up changing my careers to, to be able to help people drop their shoulders and finally feel more grounded in their own lives. And I think the people that I work with tend to be similar to me in that they they are not aimless people. They are not just wandering around not doing anything with their lives. I got really deep into this career that I was really good at, but I still felt completely unsure of myself and unsure of my direction. And even though I got, you know, years and years and years more into this what looked like a very like clear path from the outside. And it's because I never learned how to communicate with myself. I didn't learn how to hear myself clearly, and I didn't learn how to talk to myself effectively. So now I help people, and really why why I said I was an organizer is because I help people just organize if they're – not all of my clients come to me with like chaos in their minds, but it, it feels like that for a lot of people. So I help them organize their overwhelm, organize their thoughts, and start bringing awareness to just the things that we didn't get educated in, in our, you know, in our unique life history. There's a lot of humaning that we like do not get educated in. How, how do you process emotions? How do you regulate your nervous system? And then with decision-making specifically, we talk about all that stuff, that tendency to like have pre-regret. Like I'm anxious now in this moment because I'm afraid of what I will regret in the future. And it's making me incapable of making a decision with a clear mind right now. Which sounds kind of crazy when you say it. You know, I hear you say that and I go, 
what what am I doing? Like that doesn't even yeah. make sense. And then I'm like, but I totally do that. Yeah. And we all totally do that. But when you just said it that way, I was like, wait a second. So I'm regretting what hasn't even happened yet. Like that seems like a, a waste of valuable brain space and cells and resources. And like, how do I get that to stop? That's not a state, you know, that I want to be in. And I totally know so many business owners feel that way when they're trying to make a new decision about the business or hiring somebody on, or are we going to transfer mm-hmm. around? Are we going to launch a new product? Are we going to buy a building? Are we going to get new desks? And should we put them over there? Should we put them? Over- you know what I mean? Like it can just really build up. Yeah. How do you help? And it's a great question to have in mind. I think for like everyone you're describing, is like, do we buy a building? Do we launch this new project? The question, what might I regret, is fine to include in the, the series of questions you ask as you're moving through a decision. But it's not the mindset you want to make the decision from, which I think is a trap that a lot of us can fall into. Like we start focusing on what am I going to regret if this doesn't go the way I need it to go? And then we make the decision from that energy of like scarcity and urgency and like fear. And fear can be super useful if we use it. (laughs) Otherwise, it can be very like paralyzing and overwhelming and ultimately lead to us making a decision that we don't trust because it didn't come from an intentional place. That makes sense. How do you, yeah, it does, it makes so much sense. Of, I'm not at all surprised at that idea of it's a little bit of like self-awareness, but then also truly listening. And then it sounds like trusting in a way is kind of getting mixed in there as well. And a little bit from what you're saying too is like being okay with being a little uncomfortable, but also feeling safe. So I'm curious as I think about that, I'm like, yeah, that makes sense in like my head from a theoretical mm-hmm. standpoint, right? How do you help guide people through some of those things when they come to you and they're like, okay, (laughs) I'm thinking this and then this and this is getting away and I'm worried about regretting and that. Like, what are some of the first steps you might do with somebody to go like, okay, pause, let's start here. How do you unpack that? Uh, The first step is breathing, which people are like, yeah, 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 I get it. We should breathe. But just like you said, like your mental, what started as mental angst translated so viscerally into your body that it clenched up to the point of immobility. Mm-hmm. So I used to be a big eye roller at like involving your body at all in the process, but it's like non-negotiable. You have to breathe. We have to just start taking some breaths. And I know people resist it because when I'm doing live sessions, mm-hmm. they'll unload everything that's stressing them out. Like I want to buy, let's just use your your um, launching a product example. Like I want to launch this product. But I'm worried about this and so-and-so is telling me this and and I'm worried – I'm going to regret this and I need to get that and da 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 And they unload and I'm like, okay, let's take a breath. And they nod and they're like, yeah, I know. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, but let's really take a breath. Mm-hmm. So – Real, I, like breathe I, in I, through your nose, out yeah. through your mouth. Yeah. Why do you get so embarrassed about that? Because it's – I think it's the education we didn't get. Honestly, in our society, at least, like I can only speak for myself, but the the experience that I had, which sounds very different than childhood these days. So like, I don't know, I hear like social emotional learning is a thing now and people learn to like, I you know. Some schools, yes. I mean, at least <laughs> some schools. About, 
But do yeah. all schools have those resources? Have the teachers no, been trained? They have not. time to work it in. But I, I'm with you. I'm hearing it more. So I think that's Yeah, great. hopefully. But I think it's just – it's not a habit. And it's like we have to go back to the basics. The habits – our habits and our cognitive biases determine most of our thoughts and behavior. Most of everything that we experience in our lives is not deliberate. It's default. And habits are changeable to an extent, but it starts with this like nitty gritty kind of like frustrating, unsatisfying work of, okay, let's take a breath Mm -hmm. and just make your exhale a little bit longer than your inhale so that you just start activating your parasympathetic nervous system send your body some signals that like we do not have to fight or flee slow your cortisol production down i promise it's not cheesy it's not floofy it's not a waste of time you're really giving yourself access to higher thinking like higher level cognition hmm. when you bother starting with your body hmm. so i know we spent like 5 minutes on that but it's i stand important. by it <laughs> I am with you. And, you know, honestly, I can understand what you're saying where to some degree, I, f- I feel um, like it when it comes to our bodies, we can have this almost embarrassment or like, yeah. oh, I don't know. And yet it's literally the vehicle that's moving us through this world. And it is an organism and it is made up of like we need water and nutrients and air And when I think of it more that way versus I should just white knuckle my way through this, I'm like, I would never demand that of one of my plants Mm. at home. I would never demand that of a child. I would not demand that of, you know, my pet. I would look at them and have sympathy and be like, oh my gosh, maybe you need a drink of water. Do you need to lay down for a minute? Like, let's take But for myself... I'm like, nope, no time. Like, we're, I don't have time to stretch. I don't have time to breathe. I don't have time to drink water. And I certainly don't have time to eat a meal and not be doing something else at the same time I'm doing it. Like, no. Yeah. No, no time. You either have no time or you're judging yourself because I, I'm smart enough that I shouldn't be stressing this much. Or yeah. this is an old problem that's stressing me out. I should be over this by now. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Or this shouldn't feel so complicated and overwhelming. So that's the second step that I would lead people to if they're in this like spiral that we were talking about or this stuck place. Breathe. Just recognize like what state what you're physiologically in and then validate whatever you are fearing, whatever you're worried about, whatever you're stressing about. That's the second thing we always want to skip. Because we are so self-critical and we hold ourselves to such high standards because we know we're so smart and we know our potential is so great. So it's so easy to be like, oh, I just don't want this to be a problem. I don't want to be worrying about this. Or I know it's like stupid. I know I hear that all the time. I know it's stupid to worry about this. I know I shouldn't be worrying. I know I shouldn't be worrying about what I'm going to regret. Or I know it shouldn't be this big of a deal. But it's like, let's just validate that it is. At this moment in time, it feels like a big deal. And let's like like get curious. Is it a, yeah. is that what you're talking about? Yeah. It's like meeting yourself where you are. Because if you're having a fear that is like overtaking your mind and clouding this decision over about whether to launch this product or not, or when to launch this product, and it's a fear that you are 
responding to with judgment or dismissal or just frustration at its presence, none of that is helping you take a step forward that you feel super clear and confident about. So true. You're just kind of staying stuck and looking at it, right? Yeah. And it's like, I I imagine like if you're trying to hike up a mountain, like that's what some of these decisions feel like, right? It's like a big freaking laborious trek, Mm -hmm. but it's worth it because of like where you want to get to and the experience you want to have and the view and all the things. And you want to think of yourself as a person who can do this, who can launch this product successfully or be a building owner, be a business owner, whatever. But if your ankle is like, if your calf is cramping up, on the walk. Like that's what I equate these like fears and worries and concerns to. You can respond to your leg cramping up a lot of different ways. Like the sure. least effective way is probably to just keep going and be mad at yourself and or ignore it. Mm, it just gets worse. And say like this shouldn't be happening. Absolutely. This is good. This I is like super inconvenient. Work. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, I'm too smart yeah. to have a leg cramp. You know, you're like, right. okay. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But it's happening. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, okay, well, what are our options? You can also like sit down and throw a tantrum. You can give up and leave. Like all of those are viable options. You can pause and like tend to yourself. But I think, you know, we were also talking about all or nothing thinking before we hit record. And we can be super all or nothing when it comes to these fears and concerns and stuff that makes make decisions scary and be like well I have to get rid of this fear completely I have or I have to like solve exactly (laughs) or I just like I can't I can't make this decision until this the fear goes away and that would be super lovely and feel probably really great but it's also not the case most of the time so a lot of what I end up helping people do is ground their nervous systems, like regulate that stress, get themselves into an intentional physical and mental state before they even bother considering a decision. And then like validate the fears that come up and interact with them individually and constructively so that you can keep taking incremental steps forward through a thought process, even if you don't extinguish the fear. Mm. So decisions can really be made even in a state of feeling uncomfortable. Is That's what I'm picking up from you right now is like, okay, we're going to breathe. We're going to ground down for a minute. We're going to acknowledge. We're going to accept this. But I'm not necessarily hearing what I want to hear, right? Which is like, and then the fear goes away and decisions snap, right? Yeah. Um, so it's like yeah. you have to somehow make these decisions and and we're still going to have a little bit that feels uncomfortable. Is that true? Or how often do we get to make decisions where like <laughs> I have all the data I need, I have all the proof I could possibly want. Actually, now that I think about it, I've made this decision in the past. I know exactly how this is going to play out. Like yeah. I I think you're the answer to your that's a, such a brilliant question and and I want to turn it around on the person asking it and be like, "Well, how often has that happened in your life? Like how of all the decisions that you love that worked out well and all the decisions that you don't, like how many did you have all the information you wanted? Your brain felt totally peaceful. Maybe sometimes. Mm-hmm. But the Latin root of the word decide means to cut off. 
Like when we are making a decision, we are cutting ourselves off from everything that we are not choosing. So yes, absolutely by nature, there will be discomfort in many decisions. And if we're being honest, most of the decisions that promote growth, because growth means movement, it means expansion, it means not status quo, not maintaining the comfort zone. And that feels very vulnerable and vulnerability feels super duper uncomfortable. Yeah. You know, it's interesting how you you phrased it that way and it makes me think. I've had a number of people tell me, you're a really great decision maker or you make a decision really fast. But if you ask my parents who know me the best, right, they raise mm. me. They're like, she's a terrible decision maker. She will deliberate forever about, you know, and I, I wonder about this of like, from what you're talking about right now, do you think good decision makers can be sort of born? I know we joked, like, did you come out of the womb and as a great decision maker? You're like, no. But do you think it is something that is innate to people or is it truly like a skill or, or habit that's cultivated? Does that make sense what I'm asking? Are there some people who are just like, they're just good at it? because they were born that way? Or do we all have it have to like strengthen this muscle essentially? Well, I think that it, it you have to start with defining your terms. So I think where people get, where it gets wonky is if you're defining a good decision by the outcome. Hmm. Ooh, tell me more. Well, you can look at somebody's life and say like, well, they got this degree and they made this much money and they married this beautiful person. They had these perfect, polite kids and they have this great house. So they must be a great decision maker. Or you can define decision making on like the experience of the process and your relationship with yourself. Interesting. I think that it's really, really valuable question for someone to ask themselves if they're put like if they're if you're sitting here and you're like, I want to be a good decision maker. What do you mean? Do you mean you want all of your decisions to turn out well? Because duh, mm -hmm. like that's <laughs> that's mm -hmm. that's not necessarily a special thing to aspire to. Like, yeah, do we all want to be in charge of the world and control of as much as we can be and like. Have things, yeah, I want things turn, turn out the way out. we want. Yeah, I want to make a decision to turn out perfectly. Like, of course. Of course. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's a really – I'm struggling to find the the adjective I usually describe that like – oh, it's, it's, it's very conditional. The confidence yeah. that you derive from being that kind of good decision maker is super conditional because you can make good decisions until like some surprise or failure or feeling comes up in your life that – throws things off course, and now all of a sudden things aren't going the way that you planned mm -hmm. and wanted, and you're calling that a bad decision now. That is so good. Where Okay, so what we're saying here then is people can be making decisions and they can have great outcomes, but that doesn't necessarily make them a great decision maker. Yeah. Because that experience even of making the decision, maybe that wasn't good. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. So what, That's, how do you define it the other way? The idea of like kind of the experience of the decision that you're alluding to. Take me, take me through that. Yeah. I think that the, the people I work with end up joining my program because they want to be the type of good decision maker. The way we define it in Decision Masters is you make powerful, authentic, self-honoring decisions. 
powerful meaning you feel like you are empowered in your life. You have autonomy. You have agency that you're exercising. You mm-hmm. don't feel steamrolled, taken advantage of, victimy. And we can all get to those places, but it's not the way that we want to run our lives overarchingly. And then authentic. Like, are you making decisions that just keep your life moving forward? Or are you being true to like what you really want and what really lights you up as we were talking about? And that can be a big struggle for people because you can make good decisions that turn out well and look really good on paper and look really good to other people. But if you're not being authentic to yourself, like that's that's something I really end up talking to a lot of people about because we get so scared that we're going to mess everything up if we do something scary but feels like more in line with what we really care about and what we're really curious about. And then self – Tell me. I, I got to stop for a second there. Like, yeah. Yeah. Hold, hold the boat. <laughs> hold the door. Pause. Pause. Put a pin there. Um, what, what I'm hearing you say is, so we can make decisions where things turn out really well and that's great, but do we feel good about it? Which I yeah. think for a lot of people that even saying that doesn't feel good. You go, uh, wait. I can make decisions that I feel good about. It doesn't have to be because I'm supposed to or so to use your example, you know, you you made great decisions. You got a great education. You have this fabulous home and family and dog and kids and the things, right? Yeah. But did you feel good getting there? Did you do you feel good now can be a parameter that we say can be used for this was a good decision or I'm I feel I'm going, I'm a good decision maker. Because what if you wanted to spend your time in Africa and you didn't have a house at all and, you know, you were working with a, or an indigenous tribe in South America or something like that. I'm taking extremes here to prove the point, but that's really interesting. Yeah. And you can have, like, what's coming to mind for me is Halloween is the biggest holiday in my family. It has been Mm -hmm. since my whole life. It's like, it's crazy. People come in from out of, like family comes in from out of town when my dad, my parents were working, my dad would take two weeks off work. Like, and he had a real job. <laughs> it was just, it's the intense time. And now it's like your most special treasured time of mm-hmm. family holiday stuff. And this past Halloween, I decided for reasons that I liked to also launch the last round a used decision masters used to have a start and an end date now it's an open enrollment you can start anytime but we i was like this is the week halloween that i want this program to start and i made this decision thoughtfully for reasons that i liked like i said and it resulted in like a fair amount of stress for me sure like in the process of like you know bringing the people into the program up until the last day and preparing the content and everything, I was like, oh, I gave myself a lot to do. And I think in that situation, especially for small business owners, right, who are trying to like spin so many plates at one time, they're trying to like run a business and do the marketing for that business and do the bookkeeping for that business and then like also like parent or caretake Mm -hmm. for their parents or whatever. We can get ourselves in these situations where it's like, you could easily say, oh my God, this is a terrible decision. <laughs> but like what value is there in that judgment? Because you're really just j- judging your past self, which totally disconnects you from yourself. 
does not strengthen your relationship with yourself. Mm-hmm. And it sets this precedent that like I'm only allowed to like my decisions if I never feel stress and I like never experience mistakes and failures and friction. It doesn't help in any way. There's no valuable information in that judgment. It's really just like your leg is cramping on the hike and you're just punching yourself in the leg. <laughs> like mm-hmm. there's it's not a good use of your time and energy. And when I was in that busy week where I was like, oh, this is a lot. (laughs) Instead of going straight to judging myself and like just beating myself up for making the decisions, I knew I'd made them from an intentional place. And like, did I predict everything accurately the way it was going to go? No. Surprises and failures and feelings, they happen. My mom went to the hospital like five days before Halloween because she fell on her face. Oh, no. (laughs) That was not planned. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't there because I was working. But we have to stop getting in the habit of experiencing something that feels like a challenge or feels like a failure in the moment and immediately going to judging ourselves and judging our decisions. Because it's not as valuable as staying on your own team and using all of your resources and resilience in that moment to like navigate that challenge. Yeah, I could totally see that and absolutely have experienced that. And then when I think like through the lens of look, getting to look into other people's lives as well, which is always fun, like I, you can see it through the stories, right? Like the stories that I've encountered, the stories I see out there as well of why do we spend so much time? You know, when you think about it, why do we spend so much time going, oh, it didn't turn out. So it was a bad decision. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So what and you can learn from it. Then? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. That's why I think like we're you, you can learn from it. You can decide like, okay, I'm going to evaluate what worked well, what didn't work well about that situation. I'm going to use that data to like make more informed, like new, new in, decisions made in the future with like more information. Mm-hmm. We're always supposed to get more information, like the more we move forward through time. So I always encourage people as they make a decision and commit to it, like, yeah, the I, the point of this is to find out what happens next. It's almost like you're playing. It's, yes. curious and be like, hey, if I stack this block here or I stack this block here, you know what? I think I'm going to stack this one. Let's try it. See what happens. Yeah. And then you're yeah. like, oh, it didn't work. Okay. But now I go. know something and I can, you know, stack the block a different way. There we that go. That feels way more playful to me when I think of it in that regard and so much more fun because some of the decisions you're like oh my gosh like if this could wreck my life forever and and then you're like really or am I just going to learn something here yeah and you might get some pushback from your brain your your brain might argue like yes this will ruin everything if it doesn't go the way it needs to and I really encourage you to challenge that because rarely And I've talked to a lot of people about a lot of things. We've made decisions about custody, cancer, like moving states, huge investments. You just want to make sure that you're in charge of how how high the stakes are. Like you put the stakes where you want them to be. And it's really fun. I love that you're like, yeah, that sounds a little playful because like what if everything wasn't a 10 out of 10? dire importance, like high stakes. I think that's why you and I got to like start our podcasts 
right? Relatively quickly without like someone recommended a book to me when I was like, oh, I'm starting a podcast. And they were like, oh, you should get this book. It really helped me. And it was like, I think I might've even told you about this. It's like a hundred days or something to like the the hundred day podcast prep or something that was like, here's how long it, I was like, oh no, I'm going to start it like next week. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, I don't want it to be that. It's fine. I'm sure this would be useful for someone else in a different context, but I just want that. I, I, I feel like you can be a hundred percent committed to something without making yourself so scared of what is going to happen if that you you can't control or guarantee the outcome because if it's worth it you probably can't if it's not a sure thing if it's not a decision like i'm going to move this cup from here to here and i'm like 99.9% sure i can predict what's going to happen mm-hmm. if it's not that easy to control or predict the outcome of your decision that means it's it's probably worth it this just makes me think it, and I'm totally, I have nothing to back this up with. I'm just kind of riffing here of what it's making me yeah. think of. So this is not scientific or well-researched, but it makes me think of kids again. Yeah. Who, you know, and they talk about how kids, they pick up, it's crazy knowledge within their first few months of life, let alone the first few years, but then it's like it kind of starts to drop off, Right. Because it's like, I forget the exact statistics, so I'm not even going to try. But essentially, kids are having so many new react like reactions and interactions, and they're discovering something new like every second until the age of five or something like that. Clearly, I'm going to have to rewatch some of these Netflix documentaries now. But that idea of they talk how kids learn so quickly because everything's brand new, and they're making decisions quickly and trying things. Yeah. Right? And as we get older we start to have, I think, more of that fear of, well, maybe I shouldn't try the monkey bars. That might not work out so well. Oh, last time I did that, I fell over. Oh, but when we're little, we're just Mm -hmm. like, oh, that's cool. Let's try it. Oh, hmm, nope. Okay, well, then I'll try it this way. Oh, I tried to crawl on the couch this way. Didn't work. I'm going to go grab the stool. Let's try that instead. Whoops, fell on my head. But it's like this, you're building this really great decision making as a child and then that fear, I think, is what it, it does. It starts creeping in or stress or we just start to limit ourselves. And it, so it just makes me think of that when you were talking about that of how do we get that childlike fearlessness back <clears throat> yeah. so that we can make decisions while at the same time recognizing that there is wisdom and maturity of going, I did try touching that hot thing and that didn't work out. I don't think I'm going to do that again or I'm going to approach it very cautiously this time. There, There is yeah. wisdom gained, I would imagine. I mean, that's how things have played out in life for sure. Not just running yeah. around like, that feels good. I'll do it again, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's why I think it's really important for – I mean, it's like one of my great missions in life is to just help people get more and more fluent in their fear because it doesn't have to be a bad thing. But you don't want to make your decisions based on a subconscious fear that it is unacceptable for you to fail. Because then you're never going to launch your product. Because the best way to ensure that you don't fail that that, that launch is to not launch. Mm-hmm. And if you love that reason, if you absolutely, authentically, genuinely love your reason for making that choice, I refuse to fail that's fine. Maybe you're dealing with a bunch of other stuff in your life right now 
that makes it totally justified and aligned for you to be like, nope, this is not like experiencing a failure over here in this area of my life right now does not feel interesting to me. As long as you're totally in charge of that, then that fear is actually useful because it's helping you like stay aligned with this stuff over here that you're dealing with. And it's truly protecting you in that point. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. But you you don't want to run your business based on automatic subconscious fears that you're not bringing awareness to, validating, and then processing. And that's like – that's just like a hard thing to do because it doesn't come naturally. So that's why it can be helpful to have guidance. 100% helpful to have guidance. I'm a huge fan of mentors, coaches, good friends, good books, good podcasts, you know, all of that for sure. Yeah, all of it. And paying for those – those right coaches and mentors at the right point in your life too. I think it makes a huge difference investing in that way. There was a piece though I wanted to be sure to cover because you had um, sent me a couple notes beforehand and this stuck out to me and I was curious about it, how there's a balance to, you said planning, action, and mindset. And I feel like we've talked about mindset, you know, quite a bit. And then there's sort of this planning action piece. And you had put in here that usually when confidence is low, and decision pressure is high, people are bouncing back and forth between planning and action. Mm. And I was really curious about that concept. I was wondering if you'd unpack it a little bit. Sure. I think that um, what I was probably referring to is decision commitment Mm -hmm. and how we can have a really tenuous relationship with commitment to our decisions because you might have the habit of being very reactive to things not feeling good or not going your way. You might want, you might like have a launch plan and go a week with, you know, zero responses, zero signups, whatever, zero sales. And your brain might take that information and say, this doesn't feel good. This doesn't look how I want it to. I should change what I'm doing. Uh, So instead of – you were in action because you decided. Mm -hmm. Instead of staying in action and staying committed to your decision, you go back to your planning mode and you try to remake decisions because you've assumed that one wasn't right. And then you make a new decision to try to manufacture the results you want, which is like fine. That's why we make decisions. We want to manufacture the results we want. Mm -hmm. But that reactionary bouncing back and forth I think is probably what I was talking about. That makes yeah. us it, it it does create this like really tenuous confidence because at that point we only think our decisions are good, right? They're they're only working if things are going the way we think they should look and feel. Mm-hmm. And so I think there that the balance is really knowing when, like when is it all right for me? to assess the information, the new information I've gathered and make updated decisions, new decisions? And when is it most valuable to stay committed to my original decision? And I think the, the analogy that is most helpful for this is like a relationship. <laughs> like if you're married or you are, you are in an agreement, in, in a partnership where you're like, okay, we're in this, we're doing this, we're committed. There are certain friction moments where things happen that you don't like or don't feel good or don't feel 
aren't what you expected and planned for. And where do you go, right? Do you go to working through that friction in service of commitment to your original decision? Okay, how do we how do we deal with this together now to like make it through to the other side of this? Or do you use that new data? Maybe something unacceptable to your standards happened. That's new information with which you can make a new decision, right? I love that. It's so, gosh, I think right away, I totally get the relationship piece, right? Because a lot of people might be thinking like, you know, their personal lives with their partners. But I also think about business partnerships Mm, Yeah, a big question for a lot of people. Should I start a business with this person or should I sell a piece of my business to this person and we're going to be a partnership, you know, that kind of thing. And one of the things Michaela, my business partner and I did early on is we weren't sure. We thought we would work well together. Yeah. And we we went through a process and part of the process was to your point here, we committed. We decided we're going to make a decision. We we thought about it, we worked through it, we did all these things. We're like, okay, we've got a plan. First, we felt how we did go through. How does this feel, right? Then we're like, okay, now we have a plan. Yeah. But the third piece was we said we are going to work together on these types of projects for a year no matter what. And it mm. was we said, no matter what. If I am just completely pissed off, I don't get to back out for a year. I'm in. Yeah. If you just can't stand the way I do something or you're like, I really think I want to go completely the other direction, we were committed in for one year. And then the deal was at the end of the year, if either of us wanted out for whatever reason, you didn't have to explain even, you just said, it's just not working for me. Yeah. And so that's, I think it gave us a lot of safety to go, okay, then I feel good. I'm going to go all in on this because otherwise when you don't have that commitment, you don't go all in. You just don't. That's such a brilliant, A, brilliant decision mechanisms in place, but also brilliant example because if you think about this, the how that tr- exact situation could translate to somebody who has a small business and they're like, okay, I'm going to launch um, this event and you want, you know, you set a goal to get 100 people to sign up for this event and it's getting closer and closer and people aren't signing up, mm-hmm. you have options at that point. You can either be like, well, should I move the date? Should I cancel the event? Should I do something different? Should I do a different? Or you can double down on your original decision, which is like, what else can I do to get 100 people to sign up for this event? And mm-hmm. if you've made the original decision to enter in this business partnership or launch this event or whatever, if you've made that decision from a conscious place, you like your re- you know your reasons, you like your reasons, you know, why is this decision going to serve me no matter what the heck happens? Like, why is this going to be worth it? Even if everything goes terribly on paper, mm-hmm. why is it going to be worth it? You can totally trust that decision. And I see like, I'm in my own coaching program. I ha- I run a coaching program and I participate in a coaching program all for female business owners. It's so much fun. And I see it all the time. People are like, okay, I'm I'm not getting the results I want over here. This isn't going the way I thought it was going to go over here. And there's such richness in just flexing that muscle of decision commitment and like letting yourself see what happens if you don't react out of that immediate urgency to like 
not feel terrible because it feels terrible when things don't go the way you want. (laughs) It does. And yet I can totally see how that has played out over and over again throughout our business and throughout life. And my parents both were business or are, I should say, but business owners. And they always said, you've got to go all in, burn the lifeboats, you know, essentially. But you also have to know your bailout point. Yes, exactly. And you set that at the beginning and then you don't think about it again. Exactly. You burn the lifeboats and yes, you have a a buoy or not a buoy, but you have a blow up raft. Yeah. But you don't look at it again. You set what it is. And then when you feel like you want to bail before that, you don't because that's not the goalpost. That's not what you said you were going to use the life raft for. Yeah. It's only if this happens. And we so quickly go, ah, it's not working. Like get the raft. And you're like, we're not even close to the point that we set that it was acceptable to use the raft. Um, And I've done that plenty of times where we set out like, okay, we're going to do this with the business and it's not quite working. And I'm like, okay, wait, 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 new plan. Right. And we're Uh bailing too soon. But I imagine um, it is important to decide ahead of time, what's my non-negotiable or, you know, I'm committed in, but these are the three reasons why it would trigger me to say, this is wrong. I don't feel this anymore, you know? I mean, yeah, if and that, started embezzling money out of our company, that would have been a like, get the raft. Like, I'm out. I don't care about yeah. the year, right? But yeah. that's where the self-trust comes in too. Like a lot, a, a lot of our lack of decision confidence really comes from just a lack of self-trust and not really feeling into – like, again, not being able to feel like you can hear yourself or trust yourself clearly and not having a super fine-tuned awareness of your resilience and your resourcefulness. So that's something that, I mean, everyone listening just just right now, like just think, okay, answer the question right now. How do you know you're resilient AF? Mm. Like you know you are. You've solved every problem you needed to solve in your whole life because you're here. You've made it to listening to this podcast on this day. So you are resilient. You just need to remind yourself that is true. And you also can answer the question like, how do you know you're resourceful AF? How do you know you will solve every problem you need to from today forward? Maybe that doesn't mean knowing all of the answers that you think you need to know, but you will solve every problem. You're never going to like give up and just sit down and quit forever for the rest of time. Like, I don't think that's your audience. Yeah. No, <laughs> I, mine. I agree. Although there have been times where I've thought to myself, I just don't want to, right? Yeah. But – I think what always ends up turning me around is either that proof like you're talking about, is this a true story I'm telling myself or do I know better and I'm just kind of Mm. wallowing? Um, I think my friend calls it wallering is the way she puts it. Stop wallering me. You know, she'll say to kids stuff, but you can kind of get into that like, I don't know. I'm just throwing stuff around because I'm having a little mini tantrum with myself, right? Yeah. But then I'll pull back and think, hold up. I've been not necessarily right here before, but I have proven to myself this situation and this situation, this situation. And no, it's not a a direct correlation, but I have proven to myself that I can keep my commitments and things turn out well. Or when things don't go well, I pick myself back up. Or gosh, there have been so many times where things haven't – the decision I made didn't lead to what I thought I wanted. It led to something so much better. 
I mean, how often has that happened? Like, no, it didn't turn out how I wanted it at all. And thank the good Lord, because it turned out way better than I could have imagined. Yeah. Thank God we can't. Mm-hmm. Thank God we can't control or predict everything as much as we want to because it actually would be like quite a boring life. Yeah. But I think what you're speaking to is just like that's the other piece I all constantly have to remind people of is like humaning is hard. Like our emotions can feel very inconvenient because we it can be really tempting to just think like, well, I should just have a positive mindset. I should just believe everything is going to work out. And like some of the time, Yeah. That's super helpful and it will change your whole life if you have that mindset some of the time. But you can't put the pressure on yourself to just have like a frictionless existence and feel good all the time because sometimes you have to have a tantrum like, mm-hmm. because that is humaning in that moment for you. And you, we have to like build up not just the self-trust but the like the skill of being able to self-compassionately respond to yourself so that you can like have a tantrum when you need to have a tantrum then you can get on with your day. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I mean that whole idea of avoiding we'll just, well sometimes we avoid the uncomfortable moments or even the painful moments and there is so much. I mean that there's song lyrics and poems and all kinds of things out there but there really is a lot of beauty that can come out of painful situations. And it doesn't always mean that it has to be painful, like you're going through a divorce or you're losing your business or, you know, you mentioned some people are making decisions about custody and cancer. And I mean, those are extremely painful. Um, And there can be beauty on the other side of that. But even in small decisions, you know, the things that are a little less like like giant life impacting can still feel painful. Like, do I, you know, I'm do I want to make the decision to put this in this food in my mouth or not? Like, yeah, you can kind of go through those as well. And it's interesting. I've definitely found that those smaller decisions really are also part of the proof, right? Maybe you're trying to make a big decision and you don't have anything to compare yet. I've never started a business before you're thinking. I've never done anything like that. So I have nothing, you know, you girls are talking about this. Like, no, I got nothing to pull on. Okay. But you have proven to yourself that you decided you didn't want to eat sugar and you didn't through the whole holiday yeah. season. That's a little bit of proof that you can trust yeah. your decision making or or whatever it is. So I think about that a lot too. Those little decisions really can build up to a lot of re- resilience like you were talking about. Yeah. I was curious. So you have, as we're kind of wrapping up and summarizing mm-hmm. here, although I could talk about this for a while, for sure. I know, um, we do. <laughs> I say this in every podcast. People are like, Vivian, you just like to talk about things. Like, yes, that's true. Yep. Um, Same these. But you have a six-step framework. And I think you've, you've hit on, if not all of them, a lot of them. But I was curious, would you share with us just what are the six steps that you walk people through when they work with you? Yes. And I didn't even pull up my little handy checklist. So I'm going to do off the cuff and make sure I remember. But you can get this. I have a checklist you can download for free at kirstenparker.com forward slash checklist. And the first like near – I go through each of these at the beginning of my podcast series. So the framework is simple because we want to be able to simplify our decisions so they don't feel too complicated and overwhelming. And each lesson has its own episode. Yeah, because sometimes it's like these are really the things that help me and you need a different 
one Mm -hmm. at different times. Like one is usually the standout, like, oh, this is what's happening. So the six principles, six principles of simple decision-making. S is singular. So you want to give yourself permission to make one decision at a time. Mm. And this can be a huge, huge growth area for people who have snowball thinking tendencies and link everything together and like, I can't make this decision without it affecting that and da, 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 da. But the the truth of your human brain is that it can only do one thing at a time with concentration and effort. So at least permission to think about decisions separately. And I encounter this a lot with people who want to start their own businesses or change careers, right? But they also want to leave their job. And like even that, those seem linked in their minds. And if we can make them separate, everything gets simpler. So S is for simple, uh, singular. I is for intentional energy. We, cut, we, we kind of talked about that. It's making sure you're aware of your physiology. If you are in a totally scarce state, do not make financial decisions about your business. Do not make any decisions about your business, right? If you've decided like, I do not want to make my decisions about what I'm doing next week or what I'm offering or what I'm charging when you're in a scarce state. Love that. Underlining, highlights, everybody. Yes. Note taking out. The M is for makeable. You want to make sure that you are tasking yourself with making makeable decisions. This was a huge growth area for me because I always wanted to like make – I was like always on step two and I was stressing actively about like I don't know how to – what to do about step 13. Like, but step 13 is not a makeable decision at this moment in time. So what what are the makeable decisions in front of you? If you are selling a product and you're like, I don't know how to handle it if we get too many orders at once and some of them are online and the shipping and da, 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 it's like, what decisions can we actually make today though? Right. Even if they affect future situations, it really is a way to like instantly activate your autonomy, your agency, your sense of empowerment. If you think about what what can I actually do right now? On planet Earth. The P in simple is prioritize you. Mm. It's one of the most important. What this means is if you're facing decisions that affect other people or not, I want you to ask, what do you want? Because it's a really easy question to skip over because we can go immediately to what should I do? What, what do I have to do? What do other people expect me to do? What do other people want? What's the easiest thing to do? Blah, blah, blah. Fine valid questions, we can get to them. But do not skip over asking the question, what do you want? Because sometimes that's the shortest, straightest line to your best, most trustworthy decision. Like if you want to launch the product, that's really good information to have. You don't even have to make the decision, but you want to know, like, I really, really, really want to launch this product. Right. I think that's so great as you're coming up to this other letter here, but we just had a woman on Tiff Tiff Florentine and she was talking about very much that like what lights you up what do you actually want yeah this is the all you know kind of the shoulds and so I just love that so I'll put a link for that too I think that's a great great tie into that episode that's great yeah yeah and that can help make sure that you're staying accountable to making decisions that you know like we talked about are authentic not just like successful whatever that means the L in simple in the simple framework is lots of options. So this is for my people who are A-B thinkers, all or nothing mindset. 
if you feel backed into a corner, you feel like you have to do this or this. If that's your tendency, the retraining that you might need is to challenge yourself to see like 10 options that you could decide on. Hmm. It doesn't mean they have to sound realistic or appealing or anything, but it can be a really, again, a like a shortcut out of stress and overwhelm if you're making a decision and you're like, well, I don't have a choice. I have to do this. Or I only have two choices and it's they're both crappy. Uh-huh. So we're not looking for option overwhelm. That's like a separate episode. <laughs> but we want to make sure that you're you're expanding your thinking and not just being pushed around by assumptions and limitations. And the E is efficient. It's like my favorite thing. Um, <laughs> we can make decisions much more quickly than we think. You can make a big decision. We made a decision, our decision to move, my husband and I, like on a whim in an hour. Like, And it was a really thoughtful, deliberate process, but we didn't have to think about it for three months. So we, uh, the, at least the people I talk to, have a tendency to draw decisions out, stretch them out, spend lots of energy on them. And so my offering to, if that's your struggle, just give yourself permission to be efficient. Like, is there a good reason not to make this decision now? Do I know what I'm waiting for? If you know, that's fine. And if you're just waiting to like, you know, not feel scared or whatever, then maybe that's just a, it's a, Good little nudge in the direction of like you can be efficient. I don't want to. I if I know what I'm going to do, like I knew I wasn't going to go to a friend's wedding. I was invited to. This was years ago, but I knew I knew, and I could make that decision right there and communicate that decision. But I stretched it out and I angsted about it, and I was like, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know how I'm going to say this. I don't know if that's okay. Not efficient. Not a good use of time, energy, all the things. So just a little, just a little invitation to be efficient. I love that. Yeah, the efficiency part. It's so funny because I really enjoy being efficient. And I think it is one of my struggles with decision making, though, is I I am waiting to have like, well, I feel good. So now I'll make the decision. So I really appreciate that challenge there because inefficiency does drive me crazy. So when I can start looking at it a little bit that way, too, I can be like, okay, you know, let's go ahead and just make this decision now. and, And then we'll worry about how we want to adjust after it's made, you know? So I think yeah. that's great. You don't have to rush, but I it's just it's fun when people start trying this on purpose and they're like, "Okay, I'm just going to try to make faster decisions all week and not say, "Oh yeah, we should do that. We should think about that. We should figure that out and like really just do it now." It's it's fun to they feel very powerful. They're like, "Oh, I made the decision really quick and it was over. Done." Absolutely. Yeah. I just talked um, recently in another episode just about giving yourself some quick wins. And yes. I think there's definitely some room here with decision-making of making a quick win like that. So that's pretty awesome. Yeah. Well, as we're wrapping up then, one of the things I really enjoy asking folks is a couple of questions, but I have a little different one today. Um, the one being you had shared ahead of time, what's one of your favorite like hacks or tools or things that you really love using? And I saw you pop in here something about post-it notes. And I have to know more because I love post-it notes. So when I saw this, what's one of your favorite hacks and tools and and how does it relate to post-it notes here? Oh, yeah. I have it here. It's the today's top three post-it. 
Oh, I love it. I don't I, – you can't see. Oh, here you go. Today's <laughs> top three. It has three boxes. Uh-huh. It's a it's – a, Environmental trigger and focus mechanism, if we want to use fancy terms, um, for like focusing your energy and your attention and really challenging yourself to not put 17 things on your to-do list Mm. and really decide what are the most important things that I believe honestly I can do today. I like that. And I know this would be breaking your, your not necessarily rule, but principle of one decision at a time. But I could see using something like that where you're like, what do I feel like are my three biggest decisions that I have to make or I want to make or are bothering me? Yeah. And sort of prioritizing to get to that number one. Like, oh, yeah, there, this is the decision first. So I like that sticky note idea. And I wonder if it could be repurposed into this decision, this decision making topic as well it would be kind of cool. Yeah. And it's absolutely not breaking the rule. You got to organize. I just like, if your brain feels like chaos, it's fine. You can organize it. Separate to simplify. You have a million, if you feel like you have a million decisions to make, if you write them down, first of all, you'll be delighted to find out you do not have 1 million decisions to make. You might have Mm -hmm. like four to 16, fine. And then you can absolutely like run them through the list as there, are they makeable? Great. What feels the most important and doable today? Great. Can you get yourself an intentional energy to like approach that decision? Great. Done. Yeah. I love it. Anytime we can use sticky notes to get to a solution, I'm in. Oh, I yeah. I love sticky notes. They're just make favorite. it easy. Michaela, actually, um, she was showing me this tower on Amazon the other day, and it's like a way to organize your sticky notes and have all this stuff. And she's like, you totally need this. And I was like, yep, I have entered nerdum in sticky note land, apparently, now that people are finding me things on Amazon with sticky Whatever notes. works. Oh, Whatever yeah. works and brings you joy. Yeah. I'm curious what you think as far as um, just looking back on your journey and you've gone from theater and being a high-performing, um, successful person in your career there but then transitioning into being a high-performing, successful person who's doing this the coaching and helping people with decision-making. If you could talk to a younger version of yourself, what do you think you might want to share with them? What are some of the biggest things you've gleaned now for our listeners who are, you know, like 18, 19, 20, and they're kind of embarking here? What, what would you impart to somebody like that? I would emphasize how important it is to learn how to be on your own team because the stuff that you think need you just need to like get through and accomplish so that you're on the other side and then you'll feel better will not make you feel better. Hmm. You think you need to like make a certain amount of money and then you'll stop feeling insecure and you'll stop feeling stressed and then you'll make that much money. And then the number will change. The goalposts will move, as you said. You think that you need to just get this degree or sell this many widgets or figure this thing out and then you'll feel better and then you'll have time and space to like enjoy your life and like enjoy who you are. That's not going to do it. Like it's separate work. And I was always waiting to enjoy my life and enjoy who I was until I like figured my shit out and looked like felt more 
you know, self-directed and sure of where I was going and confident and accomplished. And I was like, those are the things that I need to focus on. And boy, howdy, would I have felt better if I focused on enjoying my life and enjoying myself just directly, which is what I freaking wanted in the first place. And then I still would have done all the stuff that I did. I still would have built my business, still did the things, but like, oh, it would have been an easier ride if I knew how to practice self-regulation and self-compassion and self-trust. Yeah. Breathe. Yeah. Breathe. <laughs> right back there again. Freaking dumb breathe. ding dang breath. <laughs> yeah. I love it. So um, we're going to put some links so that people can reach out to you for sure in the show okay. notes. But what's the best way for somebody to reach out or engage with you? And and you mentioned that your program is is open now. It doesn't have like a launch date. People can engage at any time. So what's the best way for someone to connect with you if they're interested in that program and just being coached and mentored by you with decision making and confidence building? Yeah. Well, you should definitely listen to Decision Masters, the podcast. Because yes. you'll get, well, uh, I give all my, I, I always try to give everything away for free. And then my job is to help you practice it and make it individualized. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not holding anything back. So you'll get a good feel for the work and the kind of stuff that I teach and talk about on the podcast. Awesome. And then you can schedule a consult anytime you want to talk more about what is coaching like and how will it help me at kirstenparker.com forward slash schedule. Awesome. Perfect. I'm going to put links to all that as well. But just as a reminder, um, Kirsten's podcast is called Decision Masters. And you can search for that and you'll find it. It is pretty much on anywhere you can listen to a podcast. Is that right? Should be. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. So look for that Decision Masters. Be sure to check it out. I, again, I just think it's excellent. I've really enjoyed listening to you and guests you've had. And um, it just gets me thinking in a really great way that I think is helpful for both my business growth, but also just personal life as well. And so I think that's part of the beauty of what you bring to the world is that it touches so many different areas. So thanks. Thanks for putting that out into the world. Thank you so much for saying that. I received that and I'm so happy. And likewise, I think that just your energy and your spirit and your unique take on things is just so valuable and so refreshing and not didactic at all. It's really human, but it's really helpful. I just, I'm, fangirl. So back at you. Appreciate it. So fun to have these relationships come together. So yeah. And now you have to come on the podcast so that we can (laughs) just share your wisdom Yeah, so that I get to interview you. Swapping podcasts back and forth for sure. Totally down for that. So uh, just as a reminder to everyone who's tuning in, if you are enjoying Writing Tandem and I'm going to throw in there when you go check out Decision Masters and you enjoy that too, don't forget one of the biggest things people keep asking me is what can I do to support this? Um, and one of the biggest things you can do is leave a review. So mm. we have um, a link in the show notes where you can go leave a review. That's huge. It helps other people know if it's worth spending their you know, 30 to an hour time with an earbud in. So we really appreciate when you do that. And thanks again so much for being here with me today. Thank you for having me. Writing Tandem is recorded on location at the studios on South 4th in Council Bluffs, Iowa in cooperation with Todd Studer Productions. Hey there, quick question. 
Do you make decisions super quickly with total confidence and zero second guessing? Well, let me tell you, if you're a no, you're not alone. If you wanna stop worrying so much about other people's opinions, angsting about regret, and getting stuck in option paralysis, come join me in the Decision Masters podcast. I'm Kirsten, the decision coach for overthinkers, and every week I'm sharing tools to make it easy for you to make empowered, authentic decisions you love. You can subscribe to Decision Masters everywhere podcasts are.